0: Hey folks, Sean Zock here. A little bonus episode of the Drop Zone today. We talked about the Solheim Cup a bunch earlier this week. Second best golf event of the year behind the Masters as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, we got Bronte Law to call in and break down the entire Solheim Cup for us. From the start with the group text and Daniel Kang's comments to the slow play all the way to the Sunday finish and the celebration afterwards. Without Bronte closing out her match moments prior, Suzanne Pedersen's putt doesn't have the same feeling it doesn't have the same effect and for all we know Suzanne Pedersen might not be retired right now Europe might not have won in the Solheim Cup. Bronte called in just a couple days removed from the party she is a fiery badass golfer and she showed it all weekend. She also admitted that she likes to have a pop or two and party a little bit. Love it. Here is Bronte Law. All right, Bronte Law joins us now. She is still riding high from that Solheim Cup win. Have you uh, have you got much sleep in the last 72 hours?
1: Um, when I can. I've got a couple hours here and there. But, yeah.
0: um,
1: I just keep replaying Suzanne's putt over and over again in my head and makes it difficult to get uh, much sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, she is hero number one. I think you have to be hero number two in some vein, right?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, obviously it came down to our putts at the end and um, our matches, but the whole team was phenomenal all week. Um, There's so many um, moments that were pivotal um, from various different players on the team and everyone was just outstanding from the start of the week and um, yeah, it's... It, it, it's not really about you know who who ended up with the winning match or obviously she's so clutch to make that putt at the end but every member of the team contributed and um we wouldn't we wouldn't have done it without everyone
0: yeah i believe that i i want to walk through everything with you from the beginning of the week to the celebration at the end when you are dancing uh to old town road and we'll we'll dive into it all but early in the week oh gosh i don't think i've even seen this
1: video that's oh, concerning. oh gosh
0: you will have to see it uh, it it's great but early in the week uh oh, you are <laughs> you are told that you're an underdog right and that the odds makers yeah. like the americans to win you kind of strike me as the person who doesn't like to be told that you're an underdog is that is that fair to say uh
1: yeah that's
0: uh so i mean you were you were kind of the, the first person in the press conference to note hey I think we're kind of the favorites. What that, is that literally just a home course advantage thing? What told you that you thought you were the favorites?
1: No, I mean, obviously having the home crowd is definitely a huge advantage, but looking at the stats of who was playing well going into the tournament, I actually believe that our team was playing better golf than the Americans as a whole. And I don't think you can argue with that. You li- it. It's... Like, the scores are there to see. So for them to be listed as favorites, I just didn't understand it.
0: The American bookmakers definitely have have something to do with that. You guys had a group text. At least that's what you told the the 4Play podcast. There was a group text. And I'm curious because um it was was on this podcast that Danielle Kang kind of made her statements about, you know, what she loves about match play and, and wanting to perhaps see people cry. And she loved that. I need to know was that shared in the group text?
1: (laughs) Oh dear. Uh, yes, it was. But I, I mean, yeah, everyone knew about that. So, um, it wasn't like we weren't aware of making those comments.
0: Yeah. Well, I I just needed to know to make sure that our our podcast is really getting out there uh, more than anything. (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> so
0: who is the leader? I, th- I think there's always a leader in the group text, someone who owns, you know, who's the, the administrator of the group text. Who is that on Team Europe?
1: Um, well, so obviously Katrina uh, created the group the group text, but Carlotta is very vocal in our group text, and I love it. <laughs> She's very inspirational, and she um, you was know, always providing words of wisdom and... Um, yeah, she definitely is a a big part of that group message.
0: I believe it. Slow play was an issue early in the week? Yeah. You are not a slow player. You are a player who is even vocal about slow play. In your opinion, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't over there. Was it as bad as people made it out to be?
1: Um on the after, on the on the second day when the weather was bad, it <laughs> it was pretty slow. Um but you also have to understand that when the wind direction keeps changing every couple of seconds um, and quartering, it makes it very difficult to pull the trigger and, um, you know, commit to a shot a hundred percent. And given the situation and the severity and everyone wanting to win, um, you can understand why it ended up being slow. I don't think that anyone was intentional, but when the wind direction keeps changing, your club decisions keep changing. Like, it's inevitable that you know play is going to be a lot slower. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, yes, it was it was quite slow on the second day, but on the last day, I don't think it was slow at all.
0: No, I don't. I agree with you. I, see, what I want to do is lay it out for the people who watched it and the people, of course, on Twitter on social media, freaking out about it. When during that second day, when it is blowing thirty plus miles an hour and it's changing, can yeah. you just like explain to people like? Okay, if I'm between a 6 and a 7 iron and the wind changes, like what that actually does to your mind when you, are you thinking, okay, this is a fifteen, fifteen 15 yard difference in what just changed. I think that that's something people don't quite understand.
1: Yeah, I mean uh it definitely can be as much as 15 club difference as well when the wind direction switches and ultimately if that happens, you're obviously going to be way off where you're trying to land the ball. Um and you know, obviously we're trying to hit as close to the pins as possible and even necess- not necessarily, you know, um, missing the greens in certain places is better than others. And if it goes from being downwind to being into wind, that obviously makes a big difference in your club selection. Um, so, yeah, it did make it really difficult. And obviously committing to a shot in your head, if you're not sure of, the club that you pulled is very difficult
0: there. When it comes to slow play, it's very much something that people can chirp about from thousands of miles away. And they're not there on site. They're not swinging the clubs. Uh, Thomas Bjorn said that match play Ryder cup, Solheim cup, is just really not the place to enforce slow play. Uh, I'm curious if you agree with that, because I do like, I think that it's all relative to what's happening and especially when you are trying to beat someone, or in a four-ball match, when there are actually four balls in play, and you're you're trying to balance where your teammate is and where both of your opponents are, like I think I think that that means that this is not the place to actually try and enforce slow play.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's difficult to kind of um, really try and speed things up, um, especially like you said when you're playing a four-ball. Um, but I also think that it's in the rules that you shouldn't be taking um you know over a certain amount of time, and I don't think that will be taken away um I think that's part of the game, even if it's match play. I still think that that's a huge factor and um so I think that they have to monitor it still and um uh encourage people to take a little less time um in certain places but it's definitely um, going to be more difficult to monitor it than it is in a stroke play situation.
0: Throughout the event, I know I've talked to plenty of women uh, on the American team about this, but they often say like it's kind of tough to, to sleep the night before the Solheim Cup. They're rather nervous, obviously. Do you get much sleep during that week? Does it compare to perhaps competing in the women's British open or in a major, like where are your nerves at throughout the week? And how do you try to keep them level?
1: Uh, For me, as soon as I got to Glen Eagles, I was not sleeping. Um, (laughs) I, it wasn't nerves. For me, it was more excitement. I was like a little kid on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Um, So less nerves and more just really excited to get out there and kind of show people what I have, um, you know, and what I've got. So, um, it was just an experience like no other. Very little sleep last week and this week. <laughs> Still running on adrenaline, I think right now.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's break down Sunday singles, right? Going into Sunday, it's tied eight to eight, obviously as close as it can get. What is the message from, uh, Captain Matthew?
1: Um, you know, she. Uh, we had our team meeting before um, the day four. She told us the singles and she played a couple motivational speeches and uh, videos and um, very little was said other than just go out there and get your point. Um, she doesn't really, um, you know, overemphasize too much. She, um, she keeps it short and sweet and gets it to the point. And, um, you know, she told us we're all playing well and, Um, obviously with us not being behind going into the last day was definitely, uh, history was on our sides from what I'd heard in previous, um, encounters where Europe had never won when they were behind going into the singles.
0: Now, personally, you are, you had not won a match to that point. What is it like to be in the middle of an event like that? And you and you haven't gotten the results yet that you really want because you've had success in these team match play events in the Curtis Cups. Like, are you feeling down in the middle of the Solheim Cup? Are you trying to focus on the next match? Like, wh- where is it, where's your head at about your own game?
1: Well, obviously it's easy to look at the results and think that I've not done as well, but actually those two half points that I got with Carlotta were probably against the strongest you know, Americans on the team. Um, so I I honestly felt very confident going into Sunday. Um, we had two really good half points um, that we got. And so I knew that I could go out there and win my point. And um, there was no, never really a doubt in my mind all day that I was not going to get the point.
0: I love that. Now, the thing I really love though, is that you went sprinting out of the tunnel like a freaking nfl quarterback sprinting out (laughs) onto the first tee i absolutely love that you are pumped you are as excitable as i've seen a female golfer in a very long time
1: yeah i think um a lot of people that know me know that i i get really uh you know pumped up to compete i'm I love competing. I love winning. And um, I've always played a lot of sports from a very young age. Um, and for me, that's as good as it gets. Uh, competing at that level is exactly why I played this game.
0: Was uh, was golf always your sport? Or was there another one that you loved perhaps a little bit more early on?
1: Um, I loved football from a very young age. Obviously, soccer in America. Um, <laughs> but I'm a huge uh, Manchester United fan. Um, and I used to play a lot when I was younger. I used to play tennis as well, and uh, played field hockey right up until I left school when I was eighteen. so um' always been really involved in lots of different sports um
0: yeah, yeah, you played every damn sport, I think <laughs> all right, so despite you being confident as hell and always thinking that you were going to win that point, your match is flipping throughout the day, like you went up early. And she came back, and you kind of battled back. There was, you know, each of you were winning holes here and there. Yeah. How cognizant were you of the other matches happening throughout the course? Like, do you even give a damn? Do you even care about the other results? I
1: mean, obviously, I care about the results because without the other results, there was no way for us to win. Um, so I was keeping an eye. Um, I saw that it was very split throughout the whole day. But I knew... Every time I looked at the board and saw mine, that I had to get my point. I knew that there was no way that we were going to win if I didn't win my point. Like, the board was too much split and divided. So I just kept telling myself, all you have to do is take care of your and then your teammates will take care of the rest of it. And ultimately, that's really what kept me going all day.
0: Now, is that on you to be looking at the scoreboards, or are people coming and whispering in your ear saying, hey – it's really coming down to cut to your match it's it's gonna come down to you and Suzanne no or, or are you kind no of... one
1: was really saying that um, I think it was pretty obvious you, you just have to look at the board and obviously <laughs> the scores were changing as the matches were ending and I could see that we needed to get to fourteen and a half and for that to happen we had to win our matches so um, there was no one really needed to say that it was pretty um pretty clear
0: yeah and so early on in the back nine. You are one down, you make a birdie on 14, and at that point it had to become very clear, but you made bogey on 15 to have the hole. Yeah. That was probably the most important bogey I've ever seen in a very long time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was huge.
0: You know, I'm speaking as American here, right? And so I'm watching this with a little bit of bias. Like, I'm not exactly cheering for you in this moment. And uh, I'm um, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, she's kind of she, she might be making a bit of a mess here, and then you pured that putt in.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, honestly, when I knew that I had to make that putt, I knew that um, if I make that putt, and then um, obviously I have two par fives coming up, I'm 16 and 18. I knew that I had to make birdie on at least one of them in order to have a chance. So when I made that putt. Obviously I felt like there was a massive shift in momentum my way because I looked like I was down and out of that hole. So to walk off that green, feeling like I had the momentum was massive. Um, hit two really good shots, set myself up for a birdie on 16. And when I made that birdie put on 16, I knew, I knew that I I was, I was going to go on to win.
0: And you got the crowd hyped up. Have you always been, like, once that putt drops, kind of, like, shove both your fists downward and, and like, flex all your muscles. Have you always been that that excitable uh, of a golfer? Have you always been that hyped up about moments? Uh,
1: like- yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it sounds stupid, but even, um, you know, when we're playing week in, week out on tour, um, me and my good friend Allison Lee uh, were always putt. Um, you know, like competitions on the putting green. And um, even when we play for nothing, um, I get so hyped tough to win. I don't know. It's always, I've always been that way. I just love winning. Um, and that's why I play, play the sport. So I can't help uh, but show it when I'm on the course.
0: Yeah, As you should, as you should. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm curious about though, just watching it on, on Sunday more than anything, it felt like the American players probably couldn't react to putts in that way because they're on the road. Is that real? Like, do you feel like if you were on the road, you perhaps couldn't act that way or it wouldn't be? Um...
1: I don't know. I think I would still, I think I would still react like that even if I was away. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I do get what you're saying. Um, you're almost thinking about it too much. If you're Yeah. worrying about how the fans are going to react to your pumping oh yeah
0: definitely you should not think about that that's up for people like me in the media to to really <laughs> dive into even if it doesn't quite matter all right so you finish off your match on 17 with a great two putt I need you to just walk me through the next like four or five minutes because you are not with your team
1: yeah it was a bit of a blur really other than I was asking what you know, everyone, what's going on? Like, what's Suzanne doing? And someone was saying she's got an eight-footer for it. And then on the screen, they showed Allie, who I was playing against, her putt that we'd obviously just seen her miss. And they're showing that on the TV screen. And so I'm like, wait, what's going on? Like, are they going to show Suzanne's putt? Like, um, we were kind of really unsure of what was happening at that point. And then she came onto the screen and it was 30 seconds, I think, from my match ending to her putt going in. And I was stood there watching on the TV screen and I couldn't really believe it. You know, I, I, I'm i watching and obviously it's going on like 500 yards away. And actually you could hear the screams before her putt went in because of the TV delay. <laughs> so her putt was two foot short of the hole and everyone, even though we were watching it on TV, we were already celebrating (laughs) before her ball was in the hole because you could hear that she'd made it. So it was kind of surreal really.
0: Yeah. Who was out there with you? I felt like everyone was on the 18th green. Who was out there still watching you?
1: Um, that was, that was, uh, one of, one of the vice captains, uh, Catherine, um, uh, Dobbo, Helen Dobson, who walked with me all day. Um, my parents were there. Um, my patent coach was there. So, I mean, ev- all my family were, and friends were there to watch. Um,
0: that's perfect
1: with me and share that moment. So it was really special. Obviously got to celebrate with the team a little after that, but, um, yeah, it still, uh, still feels like a dream.
0: I kind of wanted you to go sprinting up the 18th fairway and just have your...
1: <laughs> I wanted to, but they told me to get in the car.
0: Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> so, that would have been an epic But photo. yeah,
1: I was, honestly was thinking about it, and my caddy told me to get in the golf cart. So. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, fine. I can handle that. Um, all right, so, you know, <laughs> one of the best parts about these events is that it it, it ensues with an epic celebration. So... How does Team Europe at the Solheim Cup celebrate? How do you party? What can you tell us about the extravaganza afterward?
1: Um, Well, immediately after, uh, we were on the putting green and everyone was getting uh, uh, sprayed with champagne. Um, I couldn't see out of my left eye for about 30 minutes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then we obviously do the closing ceremony, ceremony. We lift the trophy. And then... For about 30 minutes, there was a couple people that decided to not go and change and just went in the team room and started drinking straight away. <laughs> and then a couple of us went back to the room, got changed, kind of took, you know, 20, 30 minutes to ourselves to kind of process, you know, what had just happened. Um, I did that, uh, which I, I'm really glad I did because it just gave me a second to kind of stand there and just process the whole situation and just to myself wow we did it um and then after that there was uh, lots of drinking lots of dancing and I don't really remember much else
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably appropriate um so we're drinking champagne the entire night or are you are you mixing other things in
1: I think we mixed a lot of things um I think there was a lot of mixing thrown into the poem cup trophy as well that everyone drank out of yeah there was there was plenty of alcohol being consumed that evening, for sure. Uh,
0: the the Solheim Cup trophy looks extremely breakable. Like I saw people drinking out of it, and I kind of got like a little anxious. People who are intoxicated lifting this glass thing with with alcohol in it above their heads it gets me a little nervous. And uh, but it sounds like it. It's yeah, survived. I'm
1: honestly amazed that I didn't drop it. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking around with it like a baby at one point, and it was full of champagne. <laughs> And I think I've made a
0: couple of people very nervous. <laughs> uh, well, perhaps they were a little nervous because you were definitely breaking it down by yourself to Old Town Road uh, with a huge bottle of champagne in your hands on the dance floor. Uh, I'm very curious if that is a, a video, a good example of your dancing abilities.
1: I actually haven't seen this video and I don't think I want to. Um, <laughs> no, you need to. So... <laughs> I'll leave that to the public to decide. You definitely
0: need to see that. So, I mean, like in your opinion, are you a good dancer or no? Uh,
1: it depends how many drinks I've had.
0: <laughs> okay, so it sounds like it gets better. I
1: think after, if you have a couple of drinks, everyone thinks they are a good dancer, right? Yeah, that's
0: true. Um, do you party with the Americans, or are they not with you?
1: Uh, no, they came. They came to. Uh, they came to watch. Room afterwards, and um, they drank with us and parted with us. I'm friends with a lot of them yeah. um, on the team, and um, it was really cool for them to come and kind of show um, show their faces and um, celebrate with us. So, right. um, kind of a unique experience, really, and something that the Solheim Cup is very well known for. And I think that that kind of just shows um, how good um, how good the sportsmanship is between the sides and, um, you know, how professional everyone
0: is. Totally. It says that more than any other time when you can still party with them, can still be friends with them after a 14 and a half to 13 and a half result. Like it's as close as it gets. I'm sure they're very upset at some point, very disappointed, but at some point it's, it's all about the golf and, and the camaraderie. And it's a great thing for women's golf. Yeah. A lot of times with these team events, I think you kind of learned something about someone on your team that you didn't quite know or you weren't close with. Who's the one person on your team that surprised you the most that you uh, you think is a lot more fun or a lot more weird or a lot crazier than you thought they were? Who kind of was someone you got to, to know a lot this week?
1: I think obviously playing with Carlotta three times, um, uh, we became really close. And um, that's something that I'm you know, really excited about because. Um, we, we were always, you know, acquaintances, we were friends, but, um, we didn't really interact much on the LPGA other than, you know, hi, how are you doing? Good to see you. And, um, I think that we really developed a really cool bond this week. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to, uh, sharing with her in the the many years to come. And I think that it will be a pairing that you'll see in many more sawhands in the future.
0: That's awesome. Now, something that I want to do with a lot of guests is if we look at their Wikipedia page, and I'm looking at your Wikipedia page, and honestly, I think your personality is a lot more fun than Wikipedia lets on. Okay. And it's all about your professional career and your amateur wins. And I would like to add something to your Wikipedia page, but I don't know what to add. So, like, what does the world not know about 24-year-old Bronte Law? like we know
1: many things
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that that's a good thing at some point but what is something that you think uh we can share with the world we can put on wikipedia to just like tell a little bit more about you
1: oh gosh um that's that's quite a a tough question um let me think about that one what is something the world would want to know um I've been known to uh, like to go out for a drink. I think that's pretty uh, self-explanatory. And I have been carried through a um, a club in a car carrying a bottle of champagne. And there is a video out there that <laughs> Alison Lee shared with um, people through social media. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably something I think the world would want to know.
0: You were carried through a club... On- In a car holding a bottle of champagne.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a perfect way to end this. Bronte, congratulations on the Solheim Cup. Congratulations on being one of the heroes of it. And uh, good luck on the rest of the LPGA Tour season. I'm sure we'll see you out there.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Major thanks to Bronte Law for calling in. Despite slightly pulling for the Americans to triumph, it was great just to see the Solheim Cup was won. The Europeans won it. It was not handed to them, and Bronte was a big part of that. Next week on The Drop Zone, we have a super fun guest from the PGA Tour. You know his name quite well, but we'll see how well you actually know him. Until then, I'm your host, Sean Zak.